Hello everybody, I'm Chloe Maidley and welcome back to the podcast. On this podcast, I speak to professional athletes, coaches, physique competitors, dietitians, nutritionists, and leaders in the field of health and fitness from all over the world. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you enjoy today's episode. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, review, and leave a comment to let others know about everything we've talked about. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I'll announce what's coming up on the podcast and other great content too. I'm at Maybe Chloe. Thank you so much. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So This is a tradition that I broke with in the last series that I'm bringing back because I can't lie, and I said it then and I'll say it again now, my episodes with this highly annoying man (laughs) are the most highly rated (laughs) popular episodes that I do. So I'm bringing him back for this episode of the podcast. Hello, James. Hello. (laughs) I wonder who you were talking about then. You mean me? (laughs) <laughs> I'm already Your guru. I'm oh, oh, wow. So I think in the first episode we did, it was about the differences between being a physique athlete and a competitive athlete. I feel like both of those you've kind of done now. Yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs> and then in the, the second one we did was more about nutrition. The third one was more about training. And then in the last one you interviewed me. And we had a bit of a I mean, I say it's an epiphany. People listening will be like, this is a really bad idea, guys. I would say the majority of my clients listen to the episodes I do with you more than any of the other podcast episodes. And they they listen to them multiple times, which is a huge compliment. Thank you, guys. And they say that they love your tough love approach. Now, let me just explain this to my listeners. I'm a female working in the health and fitness industry, and it is a big no-no to be tough love because you look like a bitch. I'm sorry, you just do. The men can do it because it's really inspiring and motivating and like, oh, he really got me going. As soon as the women do it, like, I don't care if you're on your period, go train. You look like a horrible woman. So you have to be very conscious, even if your your coaching style is a bit more tough love. You have to be very, very conscious to basically not to be too savage. But it's interesting that the men in the industry and even you, my husband, come in here and you'd call everyone a potato <laughs> yeah, and they fall in love with it. So it gave us motivation, not motivation, inspiration, I, I should say, for this episode to do a good cop, bad cop, tough love coaching approach, James, and more compassionate female coaching approach, me. And then we're going to do a follow-up episode down the line. And based on your feedback, we are going to determine what works and why. Perfect. I'm in. Are you in? Are you in? Have you brought your gobbiest gobshite mouth? I've always packed the gobbiest of gobshite mouths wherever I go, whatever I'm doing. And do you know what? Any opportunity to speak and talk to people um, and making people have to listen to me is my perfect kind of dream afternoon. I know. You come alive with a microphone. I absolutely do. So do you want to tell everyone, first of all, like, how are you? Awful. Where, where are we? What's going on? So I'm pretty awful. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm pretty good face on it. I'm still very amusing. Great to be around. Um, obviously, world-class speaker and DJ, but that's another story for another day. I um, unfortunately have three bulging discs in my back. One of them is compressing my spinal cord, leading to me to have one numb knee um, and a wasted quad or VMO, if you know what you're talking about. And... Can't really walk, haven't stood up straight in eight weeks. I'm about to have spinal surgery tomorrow where they're going to open up my spine, move my spinal cord, shave one of the discs that's protruding into it, 
um, sew me back up and hopefully I'll wake back up um, with, you know, full mobility. Um, I should also probably just give a fair warning. I've got a pretty bad cold. So, um, yeah, everyone strap in. It's, it's going to be COVID, interesting. Though. Don't panic. It's not COVID. You know, there was a thing before COVID called normal cold and flu. <laughs> So if you get a sore throat or a cough, you probably just got that. Relax. Yeah, it's definitely not the vid. Okay, so I reached out to my clients and I said, give me typical coach client questions that I can put to James and he'll be savage. Some of them didn't quite get it. They came back with really intricate, really detailed, genuine coaching questions, <laughs> which kind of reflect where they are in their coaching journey with me. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what we're looking for because James is not a qualified coach, okay? Mm. So, Probably could be if he wanted to be, but he doesn't. Could be, but doesn't. Too busy being a DJ producer and best-selling author. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A few of them got it got it pretty bang on point. So I'm going to start with the first one. Are you ready? Vicky Green, your client, Vicky. Hi, Vicky. She wants to know, <laughs> how do you push through those gym sessions when you just can't be asked? Well, I mean, look, it's a very good question. All of us cannot be asked a lot of the time. And what you've got to understand about my mentality with these kind of things is that obviously you all have an end goal. So you would never embark on any kind of journey without a specific goal that you can hang your hat on and go, this is what I'm trying to achieve. But what you learn quickly in life is that sometimes you might never reach that goal. And it was actually the journey and the little bits of grit, fight, determination, ups and downs that, that are actually important and what make it all worthwhile. Because if I gave you everything you wanted, you still wouldn't be happy. You still wouldn't be satisfied because life is about that struggle, and about that journey. And actually, I think it's those sessions that you don't want to do um, you have to most look forward to because any any kind of movement on that, the fact if you turn up and do it, the satisfaction you get will be so much more rewarded. And people talk to me all the time about resilience. Like, oh, how do you get that resilient mindset? How do you dig in? Well, you either do or you don't. You either want to stay fat or, or you don't. You either want to stay out of shape or you don't. You either want to get the body you want or you don't. Or you want to give into that inner voice. And that inner voice you have in your head will always be there. It never goes away always wanting to upset you, to chip away, to say, do you know what, you've done, so, you've done too much. Rest up, take it easy. And the fact of the matter is that in life, you're so, you get such a different wealth of talent, intelligence, background. We're, we're all, you know, none of us are born equal. We all have this kind of spread. And it's the people that can switch that voice off in your head that will make a big difference. And sometimes it's about managing those expectations and almost making a bargain and a deal with your head and, and go in that voice in your head and saying, do you know what? I'm just going to do 10 minutes. I'm just going to get through this. I'm going to do the essentials. And then before you know it, you've done those essentials. I might go to myself, do you know what? I've wanted to watch a movie, put my feet up and do something. But I know if I don't do this work, I don't earn it. Make deals with yourself, bargain with yourself, put that voice down because you don't have a choice. And the people who give in don't succeed. And that's your choice. You either want to be successful, you don't. Fact. Okay, so my different coaching advice to this would be, yeah, I mean, to echo partly what James said, you're not going to be motivated for every session. And just like you're not motivated to get up for work at seven o'clock in the morning, every morning. You know, sometimes you, some days you jump out of bed and you're excited and some days you just want to turn the alarm off and go back to bed. And that's the same for everything in life. And that doesn't change for workouts. The point is, is that you're getting it done to get it done. And there's always a reason. There's always a good reason why you should be training, whether it's physique like I always say, there's nothing wrong with, with caring about how you look, whether it's performance, there's nothing wrong with having kind of an arbitrary, I want to squat hundred kgs. That's absolutely fine. Like we're all fueled and motivated by different things in life. Um, or you're motivated by health. You know that if you improve your muscle mass, then you are going to improve, for example, some hormonal problems that you might be having or just general strength and longevity of life. There's always a reason 
there's always a motivation. And then in terms of really like acute, immediate, practical coaching advice, if you take a pre-workout, you know that you've got 10 minutes to get to the gym or you're going to be fucking flying at home doing nothing. And that's a really nice kind of forcing your own hand to go. Same with music, you know, sticking that really good music on in the car or in the garage, wherever you train and like letting yourself go to that place. And I do actually like James's advice about bargaining with yourself. You know, I suppose all of those things are bargaining with yourself. So, yeah. I, I would say one thing just to add as well. Once you come to the conclusion, right, and you should, you know, some people never come to this conclusion because they fucking moan all day long, is that nobody is going to ride over the hill to save you. There is no happy ending unless you create it yourself. And, you know, we all have these moments of doubt. We all have these moments of sadness. We all have these moments of can't be bothered. But the fact is that nobody is here to help you. So when people write to me on social media, go, give me a couple of words of motivation. Mine would be shut the fuck up, get on with it, change your life. But people don't want that. They want to go, you're doing so well. You're so brave. You're so clever. You're so talented. Listen, there's lots of brave, talented, clever people who don't do shit. So the idea is that you've got to understand that you're in control of you. And there's an area of your life you don't like, your relationship, where you live, your job, relationships with people, um, your body. Only you can change it. And it's those sessions where you can't be asked will be the difference between you being successful and not being successful. And it's just fact. It doesn't matter what you say. You know, we all want to give in. But I tell you what, you should get into such a headspace that when you give in, it should sit so badly with you. You should be so fucking rattled that you're cutting out of bed through the session, you know, between 10 and 11 at night just to get it done or waking up early the next day to get it done because that's just the mindset you should have. Question two, Alicia Beth Dawson. When the negative comments start pouring in from your friends, family, and colleagues about how much your body has changed, how do you deal with the negativity of these comments? Okay, well, look, for me, so many people talk about, like, be positive, be positive, read the secret, ask the universe for a canoe and it'll be delivered. You know, just be really positive about your body and go, do you know what? Being overweight's great or being, you know, whatever out of shape's great it, look at the end of the day so many people have achieved the amazing bodies amazing lives amazing change they wanted through negativity through harnessing negativity mm. i've done most of the stuff i've done through my life because someone said i couldn't fucking do it someone turned around and said you're not going to be good enough people have insulted me saying you're not going to you know you can't you won't be able to dj here you can't make this music here your book will never sell you'll never play for england you'll never do this but all i've ever done is use that negativity and it could be as simple as I write down what coaches used to say to me. I used to write down what media people used to say to me in my notes. I'd go to an awards dinner and somebody would slag me off and make a joke or I didn't think I got the fair representation. I would write it down then and there. And when I came to perform, I came to train. I would utilize that to get me through and I would use their disrespect. I would use their negativity to fuel me. And, you know, at the end of the day, fuck you. I'm going to get in the best shape I possibly can. I'd make notes before you train. I'd use it as fuel. Every time you're going to go, go and make those things, and every time you get a challenge, and the more comments you get, the more you're doing well. And that's it. If you're, if you're not succeeding and not changing, nobody will give you a comment. But good or bad, that's the way I would use it. Negativity is the most powerful tool for change you will ever, ever get. Yeah, I would say there's two sides to look at this. There's one from your perspective. If you know that you are training a healthy amount, so let's say no more than five, six days a week, for no more than an hour, an hour and a half. If you know that you're eating a healthy amount, so you're not, you know, on less than 1500 calories and 
you know, you're, you are capable of still being able to have a chocolate bar if you choose to, or have a glass of wine if you choose to. If you know that you're mentally and physically in a healthy space, who the fuck cares what other people think of how you look? It's all about you. You get to choose how you look. You get to choose the body that you inhabit and how you take care of it. I think James made a really great point there about triggering other people. You know, don't forget that a lot of the time when people throw judgment your way, they're seeing you through a judgmental lens. And the reason that they're doing that is because seeing you or hearing you or anything that's really brought you into their kind of forum has triggered something inside them that they don't like about themselves. And I think this is really, really true. And a perfect example with this would be that Protein World poster, like plastered all over a tube station, I think it was in London. And women went mad. And it was, I don't blame them. I do understand the context here, which was, it was the tagline, which is like, get bikini body ready. And women revolted and said, we, I'm wearing a bikini, therefore I have a bikini body. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I do understand that. But I think that the hysteria and the passion with which they reacted was because I think it triggered something inside them, whether they were taking care of their body, whether they weren't taking care of their body, whether they themselves have, have gone through some really big body image issues, which are totally, totally valid. But the poster would have triggered that. And all it says to, to me and my therapist, who I've spoken about this kind of thing with ad nauseum, is that it's work that you need to do on yourself because the outside world isn't gonna change. The outside world isn't going to change for you. And so if you're feeling triggered by something or other people are, that's work they need to do on themselves because nobody, nobody is going to, the whole world isn't going to stop and re-revolve around them. Look, I completely agree. I, I will just caveat one point because I talk about this a lot. Humans are really bad at moving past negative comments. It doesn't matter if I have 10,000 positive comments. Oh yeah, I we call neg- it warm fuzzies and... Cold pricklies. Yeah, cold, warm fuzzies and cold pricklies. You can like, build up, this is what my teacher used to say, you can build up 100 warm fuzzies and feel great about yourself, but if but it takes time to accumulate. But if one person throws a cold prickly your way, they're all gone, starting from baseline. Yeah, and, that, and that's true. And it's in, in, a, in a world of social media where we expose ourselves all the time, weirdly, to people that we wouldn't even piss on if they're on fire, yet we value everything they say. It can really profoundly affect us. And don't believe anyone who says, I don't care what people think. We always care what people think. We're designed to do that. But I honestly believe that if you come to a, come with a mental checklist of, you know, how am I receiving this information? Is this negative? You know, I'm going to show them with that mindset, go and do it. You know, if you are dealing with the voice in the head, the previous question, and you spot that and identify it, then you can put your tools into place and get it. And that's why sometimes speaking to therapists, speaking to people, it's not about them making you better. It's about them giving you tools in your armory to, to, to refocus your attention because where... And objectivity you know, as well. Yeah. And where energy flows, you know, focus goes. So where focus goes, energy flows. And I think you've got to understand that that we're not impervious to any of this stuff, but we can stay we can stay strong. And certainly, I genuinely, if people are talking about you, you're doing the right thing. you just got to knuckle down and crack on. Yeah. Yeah. My dad used to say to me, if I... <laughs> and this still applies to my dad. If I'd listened to all my critics, I never would have made a success of my life. Yeah. You just got to, if you know you're doing the right thing. He's cash money. (laughs) Yeah, he is now. Okay, next question. This is a really tricky one and actually perfect for someone like James. Jennifer Hunt. My question is how to overcome knowing what to do, but still not doing it. (laughs) Well, babe, I want to be completely honest with you. You, You've already offended people by calling everyone babe. Well, you, 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 the thing with that is, is that you're just destined to fucking failure. Like, without being harsh, you, 
The point is, you have not. I mean, come... that was the harshest thing I've ever. Heard no, but you're, you you're, you're you're not. You know, if you know what to do, but you can't do it, you've got to understand that when we do things in life, right, the the fear of not doing them and the penalty of not doing them should always be so bad and so great that it always leads you to action. And the fact is, you're happy being mediocre. You are happy not having the body you want. You don't really care. So what you've got to do to change that is find something or find a reason for doing it that is better than the reason you have for not doing it. And, and you know, the reason I trained every day because I had a complete fear of failure because I only had one career. I only had a short window to be successful. Now I work as hard as I do because I have a fear of not being successful in my other life and knowing that I want to live a certain way. I want to have a certain body. I want to have a certain lifestyle. I want to have certain amounts of money. I want to do things that I enjoy. And if I don't do them, then I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to change the body. And I'm not going to be successful. And the fact of the matter is you've got to find motivation. Do you know what? Maybe the goal that you've got isn't the right goal for you. Maybe you need to train with somebody to kick up, give you a kick up the ass. And maybe you need to realize that you will always be stuck exactly how you are. And that it doesn't matter who you marry, who you speak to, how much you pray, how much you meditate, how much you fucking put detox tea in your body, whatever the thing is you're into at that point in time, ain't going to change it unless you put the hard work and graft in. And that is the simple fact of life is that, you know, people are just, just saying hard work to people is not right because you can work incredibly hard, but incredibly poorly and incredibly badly. You need to find a good plan. You need to nail your process for that plan. You need to have a little bit of, a little bit of fear as to why you need to execute that plan and go and do it. And, you know, I, I just think that there's lots of people who have all the tools and are never successful. And the fact is, they say that the, the richest places on earth are graveyards because they're full of missed opportunities and wasted talent. You just don't want to do that. What's the point? You know, we only get a short period of time on this earth. You know, we put, COVID has proved that even more. You know, if you can make changes, you know how to do it and fucking go and do it. Stop wasting your time. But if you don't want to do it and you don't really care, then find something else to put your energy in. Maybe you're comfortable being the way you are and that's it. So don't trick yourself. Don't kid yourself. But find something that you're really, really scared of fucking up and go and execute that. Yeah. So, Jennifer, I would say, what is your goal? Because I feel like the first thing that, that we would need to do, and, and I am your actual coach, so if this is genuinely where you feel like you are, the first thing we need to do is we need to reassess the goal because you're not going to be motivated to do something that deep, deep, deep down you really don't give a shit about. Every magazine, every newspaper, every Instagram post, every every film, every song on the planet can make you think that you have to be a size eight. But if you deep, deep, deep down don't give a shit about being a size eight and don't care, and nor should you, by the way, you're never going to get there because the motivation isn't there. So we need to look at the goal here. What is the goal? Now, at some point, we are going to have to talk about the lowest minimum dose. We are going to have to talk about general health standards. And this is where minimum workouts per week, minimum steps per week, you know, kind of as much flexibility with a healthy calorie appropriate diet that we can give you, we're going to have to give you. But at that point, if you're like, I still don't care then I would question whether there's something deeper going on and maybe you need to speak to somebody because all, if you know, if we take the, the kind of the really hard work and the kind of really high reaching or even just completely arbitrary for you specifically and arbitrary will be different for everyone, goal away from it and you still don't care about your health and you still don't care about how you're going to age and disease prevention and longevity of life, 
I would question if there wasn't something a bit deeper going on there psychologically. And that's why I would say to all my clients, maybe go speak to someone, maybe do some reflection, reflecting on this and figure out if there is something deeper going on. Because, and you know, me and my co-coach Emma, we say this all the time, we're not therapists, we're not physiotherapists, we're not surgeons. We can't rehab you, we can't, you know, we do end up being kind of a jack of all trades in these contexts, but we can't fix every problem. And there are different professionals out there for different reasons. Like I wouldn't go to your GP for nutrition advice. Oh, sorry, but I wouldn't. I would go to a nutritionist or a diet, preferably a dietitian. And I wouldn't go to your dad who loves to go for a run on Sundays for training advice. I would go for a qualified coach, a qualified trainer. And the same applies for, for mental health. There's two really good points that Chloe's made. Firstly, Let's just address talking to someone. I am the way I am because I have a constant appetite to be better and to learn. And from 17 to 36, I speak to a psychologist for all sorts of different reasons about personal development, about, you know, we have good days, we have bad days, whatever it is. You know, a lot of the t- things I've learned have been through that, through trial and error, but you are never there. That's why I talked about the journey at the very, part, the very start. It's about the journey. And every single day, you have to be slightly better than you were yesterday. And you learn through that mentality. And the second thing is, you know, when you say you know about the right things to do, but don't, you know, but don't do them. I know people who are having toes chopped off their feet because of diabetes and alcoholism, and they are not doing anything about it. And people are genuinely saying to them, "Listen, if you don't change this, you're gonna you're gonna die." And people do that all the time. And we're great at listening to our inner voice and tricking ourselves. And you know that potentially could be, as Chloe said, down to psychological issues, could be a, well, a multitude of I mean, reasons. Well, alcoholism is a yeah. disease. And also I would say depression plays a huge role, is a precursor to alcoholism. And then you talk about mixing these two together and you're... Yeah, and it's, and, but you would think when someone's ch- chopping feet, toes off, you'd start, you'd go, Christ, maybe I need to tweak something, but people don't. So Chloe's very right to say that, to reach out to someone and speak to someone. And as I said, the reason you speak to someone is to get the tools to make you better and to help create solutions for your own personal problems because one thing I've talked to lots of therapists and psychologists about is what's the most common thing that people um, use as an excuse for their own personal development and actually to make any progress and it's this line they say listen it's different from me you wouldn't understand you said you had um Paul Moore Paul Moore yeah who seems to have had a huge rise in, in my industry specifically but I feel like he crosses quite a few industries you had him on your podcast and that was something he kept saying right yeah you wouldn't understand this difference and i I spoke to lots of other people and that that was the kind of thing they were consistently saying which was you know it's um it's different for me you wouldn't understand and you know there's eight billion people in the world and we can't all have different problems a lot of us have got common common problems and common themes we don't necessarily know how to unlock them and that chloe's absolutely right and i think so many people are intimidated about speaking about mental development and, and dealing with that. And if I said to you, said to you ladies or men or whatever, who, whoever's listening to this, if you could run faster wearing these trainers, you'd go and buy it. If I said to you, you could lose weight quicker by drinking this you know, detox tea or doing these skinny jabs, you'd all do it. If I said you could change your entire life, body, mind, success levels, relationship, happiness, we're going to speak to someone, you wouldn't do it. And there's some stigma around doing that. So something to really consider for a lot of you that maybe there's something that's holding you back that you didn't even realize. So don't worry about your body, worry about your mind. And what Chloe and and Emma try to recommend is a whole holistic approach, which is everything, mind, body, wellness across the whole thing, not just around whether you look good in in the mirror. Okay, Carla, how do you support and push each other when one has a goal such as fat loss and the other is just living their best life? Or do you both 
tend to have goals together? Look, it's a very hard one. Um, I think this is where some relationships grow in different different directions. When somebody decides they want to change their life and move and, and uh, move forward, I'm very lucky because Chloe is as hungry for success as I am. You know, yes, has different physique goals, but is still centered around you know healthy eating. And I think so many goals are centered around that. So it doesn't matter what I'm trying to do. You know, I might eat more food, I might eat more um, calorie dense food at certain times, but I don't. You know, it's not massively different in terms of what we're trying to do. And I think it's a mutual understanding that we're here to help each other. You know, a couple by its very nature should be a team, uh, should be about trying to help each other be the best versions of themselves. And I, and I would challenge if one of you wants to be a big couch potato and the other one wants to win Olympic medals, perhaps you're maybe not suited suited to get together. Or if you are like that and some bizarre reason you've got some perfect um, relationship, then you start having to make certain sacrifices and start managing your own shit and, and doing things separately. So... You know, Chloe will will you know more often than not cook us the cook us food, and she will cook her, her, a meal for her and a meal for me. Uh, it's completely different to what she would be eating. I think it's very important to to support each other and understand that. But but be aware that you're both two separate people, and and this isn't always a popular opinion. But I don't think you should go into a relationship um, needing someone to support you. You should come into a relationship with your shit in order, being the very best version of yourself, and you should make being with you uh, make the other person's life better by being with you you shouldn't be using them as an emotional crutch or a support system but if it doesn't organically happen you shouldn't go christ i need to be with that person because they're gonna make me better and help me you should be standing on your own two feet the entire time and if you're not you need to have a long hard look at yourself that's why i always find it difficult where people talk about oh i couldn't survive without so and so if it wasn't for them it's like look you know you need to be self-contained but also in my opinion be able to then you know accentuate the positives of your of your own relationship yeah, I think this is all about communication from day one. So sitting down with someone before you've even started to change your diet or your day-to-day kind of routine and saying to them, so this is what I'm going to do. This is a goal of mine, which is going to leave me feeling hopefully very happy and fulfilled most of the time. But please don't mistake that. There will be bad days. There are always bad days. But this is a goal. I'm committed to it. And I need you to support me and help me get there by just being supportive, just telling me I can. And, you know, one really nice example, like practical example I give is that oftentimes when you have a hard day, you know, let's say that your partner has a hard day at work. You don't say quit, stop going in, don't, no, 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 quit the job, no, no, no. And it's the exact same thing with, let's just say that you've got a few stone to lose before you're in a healthy BMI range and you can actually start IVF, for example, right? And this is a, this is why I have a, a lot of clients, like that one very specific reason. Your partner's not going to look at you and be like, fuck it, who cares, order the pizza, get the cake. No, that's not supportive. Actually, that's the antithesis of being supportive of your goal. What the partner should do is say, okay, you're having a really bad day. This is a tough one. How are we going to get you through it so that you can stay on top of the goal? That's real support. So, you know, when I used to kind of get ready for shoots and stuff and you have bad days, my dad would be like, Chloe, why are you doing this to yourself? Just, you know, order a pizza, relax, da, da, da. And then he was writing his book one day and he was like, this is really hard. I've got really bad writer's block. And I was like, okay, so let me just give you a perfect example of me not being supportive. Me saying, dad, stop writing the book. Who cares? Nobody cares about it. Only you care. Give up. He was like, oh my God, you're right. It's not supportive at all, is it? And I was like, no, it's not. And it's the same thing. So you need to say to your partner right from the off, this is what support's going to look like for someone with a, with a goal. And I'm going to need you to help me. 
And also I would just say, remember that there should be an end point to this goal. You shouldn't be in this, you know, I say this a lot of the time to my clients and just my followers, you shouldn't be doing this forever. There should be an end point. Otherwise it will become quite torturous. And hopefully, and I know that you do, Carla, you have a coach hmm, who can navigate you through it. And I, I would say like, it's such a lazy piece of coaching advice, but hire a coach. You know, you guys don't have like the experience to do this in the easiest way that you can. And you need the objectivity. You need somebody helping you. So, yeah. Communicate. I, yeah, communicate is key. And I, I think we're getting a coach. You know, I, I've gone and got myself a coach now, you know, because I just couldn't. I needed someone to set some guidelines out, some parameters Push to make you. me to com commit. And, you know, and also if I knew I was paying to train with training someone, I'd get off my ass and do it. And you've got to find something that, that sparks you and, yeah. and gets you going. And, and honestly you know you as i said you need to communicate with what well, chloe said communicate with your partner lay out some ground rules but also you know take manage your manage your side of the, the street and worry about yourself because sometimes you know you've got to just let your partner be your partner and, and you just got to crack on okay katie lee bettany this is a really good one for you james because you actually really taught me how to do this so after feeling like you've quote unquote fallen off the wagon how do you get back on it with the workouts and the food and balance, you clearly have an incredibly supportive relationship. Eh. Uh, we peak I'm control. Great. Chloe's a we peak control. Yeah. I also have a supportive partner, but how do you stay focused if the other one's willpower is starting to test your own? Thank you, Chloe, for getting us involved. So let's focus. We've done a bit on the couple thing. Mm. Let's focus on you've fallen off the wagon, you've gone to a festival, you've had every drink at the bar and 17,000 shots with your mates, and then you fall on face first into a kebab, you wake up the next day, you're hungover as fuck, you can't train, all you wanna do is order a pizza. So let's just say you order the pizza. And the days start to roll on. Once you've fallen off, how do you get out of the all or nothing mentality and get back on the horse without feeling, oh, well, I've already messed it up, I'll just stay off? Well, I mean, again, it's, the point is, is your desire to make change has to, has to kick in. You have to understand you've got to take responsibility in that. If you let your hair down, it's not the end of the world. We all have faults. We all have bad days, you know. And I'm everything I'm telling you today doesn't mean I don't feel the same way every single day. And we all do. And developing mental strength and fortitude is not about never feeling bad or feeling sorry for yourself. It's about snapping out of it and getting back on the straight and narrow. It's the same thing. If you fall off the wagon, you know, you've tried everything you haven't, but, you know, do you know what? there's an opportunity too good to miss. You just need to regroup and go back to what you can control again. You know the simplicity of like what's in your control moving forward. So, you know when you you, you know you have that pizza, you have that hangover day. You set yourself go right. I'm going to wake up this next morning. I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to hydrate. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to you know manage my uh, caloric intake throughout that day. I'm going to do you know what if I haven't trained in three or four days, I'm going to set myself a goal of doing something for twenty minutes maximum. Get that shit done. Tick it off, and, and and go back to all the bits that you can control, which for me is sleep, hydration, food intake, training, how hard you work. And, you know, obviously where you seek your plan from and how you how you execute it. That's all you've got to do. Um, and and I, I genuinely believe just taking one day at a time is, is what's important. Don't look at the goal. Don't look backwards. I mean, there's a horrific thing on, um, you know, where those, all these influencers go, don't look backwards. You're not going that way. Like, oh, punch yourself in the face. <laughs> you know, but, but go, the point is, is that don't dwell on what's happened. You've enjoyed it. You smashed the back out of it. Don't look forward and go, oh, Christ, I fucked the goal up. Look right in front of you, even if it's an inch in front of you, like an inch mentality. And so when I was doing fitness and I knew it was a long fitness session, I would look just one meter in front of me and I'd say to myself, fuck me, James, just get to that meter. And I get to that meter, I'd be like, oh, fucking hell, I'll get to the next meter. And you just keep chugging along. And it's the same thing with trying to get back on the wagon. 
things you can control is basically how you treat your body, how you treat your mind, how you treat other people and how hard you work, four things, that's it. And then as I said, split your day up into manageable chunks. Forget about the big picture, sleep, hydration, you know, food intake, training, things like work days, work management, relationship management, whatever it is, and just chip away at each one of those. And do you know what? That day, you'll probably be 5% better than you were on your uh, fuck it bucket day. And then tomorrow you do the next thing. And before you know it, you're three days into sense and, and back on the wagon and you haven't worried about anything. And don't feel guilty because being putting over emotion to doing negative stuff is actually really bad for your body and really bad for the way you, you digest your food and everything else. You need to be in a positive mindset in, in, in certain respects. Yeah, so this is a really common thing. We call it the all or nothing mindset where you're like, okay, I'm either on or I'm off. And the reason why that's so dangerous and people are like, oh, I've got 30 day streak on my fitness pal. The reason why streaks are so dangerous, not in the nudity sense, because they're just lols. They're great. <laughs> they're fat. They're still a lot of fat old men with tiny willies and wings. Um, but the reason why streaks and kind of this kind of like all or nothing mentality is so dangerous is because it's not realistic in terms of your life. It's certainly not maintainable. You're not going to be doing this till you're 80. I'm never going to have a carb till I'm 80. It's never going to happen. And then you think about basic basic textbook human psychology what's going to happen when on your 32nd day of your your streak you something happens and you either misjudge how many calories are in something or you accidentally get drunk or you overeat something all of a sudden you're going to go oh well now i can't have a hundred percent so i'll just drop straight back down to zero and it is a very very normal human psychological response now we need to completely start. We need to unpick this and start from square one. Great. You've had a 10-day streak of your Fantastic. Brilliant. So now the way that you need to look at it is just because the inevitable happened and you overate, you fucked your calories, you drank too much, you didn't go to the gym for two days, you didn't go to the gym for a week because you were away on holiday and you didn't realize that you were in a really basic hotel that had absolutely no equipment and no area to train whatsoever. It happens. It's life. The trick is not to go, okay, well, now I've had one bad day or one bad week. I can't carry on. The trick is to say, okay, that happened. Now I'm going to get straight back on track. What can I do this week? What can I do today? What can I do? And as soon as you realize that it is about, and Emma, my co-coach has this imperfect action. And I say consistency, not perfection. And that's kind of my take on what she's saying. As soon as you realize it's about staying consistent overall in the broad spectrum of things. And it's not about perfection, acute perfection on a day-to-day -day basis, because the latter is never going to happen. You're, you're destined to fail. If you are looking for perfection on a day-to-day -day basis, you're destined to fail. What happens when you step away from that and you go, you know what, I want consistency, broad consistency overall. You're destined to succeed because anything can get thrown your way and you can get knocked down and you'll get right back up. And if you keep getting back up, you are going to get to the destination. It is going to happen. But that's kind of a much more long-winded way of me saying what, as I said, Emma says, and you know, you have to credit the coaches that, that say the things they say. Her thing is imperfect action. And that is something which has really struck a chord with our followers and basically sums that up in, you know, two words. Just understanding that the second that you get back on it and you carry on, the second you get closer to your goals. Louise Harvey, I'd love to know who your role models are, and in particular, whether you are still inspired by those who are older than you. Can you still be inspired by those who, by societal standards, are past their peak? 
James, great question, Louise. Yeah, of course, of course you can. I think, you know, being successful and having success, it doesn't have an age on it. You know, you might not be as successful as you were, but you've achieved something that's remarkable enough to be inspiring to people. And I think, you know, I don't want to emulate people. I want to learn how people did what they do. You know, like I, I think you need to understand your limitations. That's why I think it's, you know, it's very dangerous when people say impossible is nothing. It's like, no, it's impossible. Like, if I, you know, I can't sit around going, I'd like to be an astronaut now because it's fucking never going to happen. But I need to be able to set goals that are realistic for me. I think inspiration for me is uh, quite transitory in, in terms of how you, who you're looking at, what, what, what you're looking for people to to inspire you with you know i love lebron james floyd mayweather obviously wife beating us aside no i mean i love hemingway and he's an alcoholic abusive yeah (laughs) um you know like lewis hamilton um who else did i i think uh cristiano ronaldo now i'm fascinated by those but what i would like to look at them for is is things that i can attribute to my life not that i want to be a world-class footballer but his mentality for relentless perfection his desire to consistently reinvent himself look at his diet lebron james you know continuously coming back time and time again under pressure through self-doubt you know never giving the credit he deserves how does he deal with that i mean mayweather you know to get win 50 fights or whatever it is to the way he trained how hard he trained even if he trained at weird hours he did things his way and i love those things and i would cherry pick each one of those bits of, of of stuff from my people I inspire to be like and make them um, fit you and then understand how they actually relate to you and how you can add them to, into your process. And what I mean by process is most things you can break down into um, a step-by-step action. So, you know, a lot of times when you talk about making changes in your life, it's about, you know, I don't need to know why you're doing it or what you want to do. It's irrelevant to me, those things. How you're going to do it is often the most difficult question. And I think... Um, Looking at how people have done things you want to do, but done them better, is always a great way of getting that, and then trying to make it uh, make it a successful plan for your for yourself. So I don't think age matters. I think I'm always worried about people who peaked and did one thing, and then ha- haven't achieved anything else since then. I know sometimes when you reach global icon status, it's fine. But if you look at some of the rugby players in my world, for example, some of them one did something big in 2003 and they've done fuck all since, and it's like, you know, that was over 25 years ago. Guys, what else have you been doing? And I. I I think it took a great feat to reach that level, but I'm also kind of want to know how you keep being successful, how you keep making the journey from birth to death the most successful possible. I, the people who I find really inspiring human beings aren't born with the incredible ability to perform on a pitch. That's not what I find no, but, inspiring. But I, think, I find it incredible. No, no, because the point not is there are probably, there are people with more talent who don't do any of that. You can't just... Yeah, no, and that's We don't true. achieve. Like, we know people personally who have a lot of talent that have completely fucked it up, pissed it away because they don't have the mental attitude. These people, we're talking about, these are iconic. These are goats. These are the greatest of all time. Their talent, their brain is their talent. And I would just like to clarify, I do know professional athletes who people do look up to who were in the right place at the right time with talent who do not work hard. And you have to agree, agree with that. I my, can think yes, of them right now. My point is that, exactly what I said, what are they going to do when they don't have the talent? Yeah. When, when, when they're, because, because, What's Ronaldo going to do? He doesn't uh, need, he doesn't need no, he, because he's <laughs> hard work because he's still playing. We've got to understand this, right? Look, these people that don't that are doing something now, right? Life is such a long journey for some. For some, it's short and, and horrible lucky, and everything yeah. else that, right? If you're lucky. Once the, that, that right time experience and their name and everything else keeps them there, I couldn't 
I couldn't, if I stopped rugby and didn't do anything and tried to train off my name, I wouldn't go anywhere. I, wouldn't, I, have, I have to graph every single day to do it because I never reached that status. And I think you've got to understand it's the people who are continuously successful. Look at people that you inspire. They open one business, multi-millionaire. Close that, sell it, next business, next business. It's the people who consistently want to evolve and get better, for me, are the inspiring ones. And these guys have done that. You know, Ronaldo's gone to however many teams and still the best goal scorer. Matt. Yeah, but it's just, it's hard work with talent. Voice. No, Chloe, don't belittle. For, I promise you, you fucking don't know what you're talking about. You remember that, I remember that time I went to promote my book on Five Live, and they asked me like who I was supporting in the Premiership final that weekend, and I was like, I don't like football. They were like, goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Fine. Look, uh, yeah, but I I know that what I'm saying is very contentious to many people, and I accept that. It's just well, it's weird you can't know who inspires you. Like you that that journalist woman you like. Honestly, my mum. Honestly, and I'll tell you why. Your mum's hardworking. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'll tell you why. Yeah. My mum was born and raised in a two-bedroom house with one bathroom that was outside in a tin shed. Yeah. In like the deepest... That still dark, happens in the north. Yeah. Right? In the deepest, darkest depths of, of Manchester, post, post-war post Manchester. Her dad was... Uh, when she was growing up with her two brothers, uh, Cal and Roger, her dad wasn't around because he was um, serving. And it was just my my nan and them. And my mum came from like working, working, working yeah. class. She became, you know, a, a kind of a semi-celebrity in, you know, Manchester for doing Granada Reports. <laughs> you getting emotional. No, yeah, no, for doing Granada Reports with Tony Wilson, who yeah. by the way is also a huge hero yeah, of mine. Yeah. She then moved into kind of mainstream entertainment media and ended up doing This Morning with my yeah, dad. Yeah. She has gone through so many health struggles and she, I just think she's, she's written four books. I just think she's one of the most inspiring, hardworking, intelligent, you never would have fucking expected it from her, right. women I've ever met in my life. Not to mention she was a mum of four kids with a full-time job who all she ever cared about was providing for us. Okay. That was it. And I just think what? she's just incredible. I think there's two things there. You love a romantic story. No, no, but also from like... Rags to no, you, know, also, you know Ronaldo left his family, his entire family came from piss poor nothing and left his family. Yeah, and that's, a, yeah that's amazing. Yeah. That, but, there are so, but there are so many footballers who, I mean, I just, to me, look, I, I totally... You do love a romantic story. Rags to riches. No, but do you, know. Know, what, no, do you know what the difference is there? Do you know what, what? personifies the difference there? Is that like she didn't have a talent that could potentially make her billions one day or millions one day. She didn't have that. Anyway, we're going really off tangent right, now. So we need to go back to this. Okay, let's end it here with Casey Marie. What do you think are the main differences between coaching men and coaching women? <laughs> I don't, do you know what? I, I don't know, to be honest with you, because I haven't done a lot of it. I haven't done a lot of coaching women, um, to be honest with you. I think there is this belief that you have to treat Men and women differently. I don't think you do. Agreed. Um, I think this is something the media make you believe. People make you believe. Oh, you need to have a pink supplement for a lady, and you need to do this. And women can't lift proper weight. All this. Look, at the end of the day, I would I would coach them exactly the same. I think you have to understand that men are and, and women are completely different, and it's not a, it's not a cliche. It's not a a thing. You know, um, one is emotionally driven, one is practically driven, and I think you have to be very aware of that. You know, so as you were speaking to them, and maybe you, you, I would have to get to know the individual people I was coaching because one of the things you've got to understand about coaching anybody is that one brush doesn't or one broom does not sweep clean everything. You need to 
um, worry about the cognitive well-being of the people you're 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 training, and also see what makes them tick. And I would I would have to you know get to grips with that. But I, I don't think there is massively for me. I would treat them exactly the same, encourage them exactly the same. But you know, I would just be very aware of some of the language I was using because perhaps there might be some certain sensitivities around. You know, it's not fair to say that a lot of women have had issues with food, with, with diet. We've gone on all this mad yo-yoing thing because of society. Whatever it is that's, that's made you do what you want to do. And so I'd be very careful about making any comments around body shape or body-wise and being probably, le- probably slightly less aggressive. But I might find a group of women that are absolutely inspired by straight talk and, and loved it and, and, and there might be a group of men that couldn't handle it and needed to be you know, treated with kid gloves. So I think it's a great question, but I would treat them exactly the same. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a huge misconception now that you have to train or you have to treat men and women completely differently, that all women are different. We're not all the same. And same for men. You know, you're going to get your sensitive types, which I am, and you're going to get your tough love types, uh, which James is. And it has very little to do with gender, in my opinion, and very much to do with your nature as a person and your nurture as a child and into adulthood. I don't think it's as much about gender as everyone seems to be projecting onto it. What I will say is full circle, and maybe this is the perfect question to end on, because full circle back to my initial point in the beginning. As a woman coaching the women, that's a whole other thing. Like I've seen it, I've done it, I've experimented with it. You really, you know, you really go in like tough love and women do not like it, but men can get away with it a lot more because it's like, oh, he's a man. And it's the same thing, you know, and I think on the flip side of that, the men would need a much more savage female coach to respect her. Would you agree? Yeah. They would then, then a moddy coddle one who I, who they might like and bond with, but I don't think they'd respect as much. And so I think the, the coaching standpoint would be much more of a defining factor than the client standpoint being a male or a female. Does that I make any never, sense? Yeah, 100%. I have never had a female coach. And so we have a long way to go. And you know, you, but this is what I mean. I, w- I cushion my female clients. Like I, I, I'm, I hope I'm compassionately coaching them and taking care of them. If I walked into fucking Penny Hill to coach you lot, are you joking? I would go in guns blazing. I would go all in, like rhino skin on, go. Because I wouldn't get the respect otherwise. So this is what I mean. I think you, it's- You put your rhino skin anorak on and go yeah. in with you. With the horn comes up. Of the head. You put it up, it's got two horns on it. What do you call it? the training center? I've still never been to the training yeah, center. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I actually think it's more about the coaching approach. Well, I suppose that is actually the question. I, it is. Do you the, coach differently? I, I think the problem is, well, I don't especially think, with men. I think it's, sorry, what I'm trying to say is, I think it's the client interpretation of the coach that would differ rather than the coach's interpretation of the client regender. It's I think it's much more on the reverse. Is that I 100% agree so that. hard to articulate. 100% agree it. because when I was playing rugby, if, if I've had a woman coach come in, I'd be like, this is a bit odd. You don't you haven't done anything we've done. With all due respect, you've done something in your lane. doesn't mean you would be a bad who's coach. Who's that sick, um, not all black, what's the female all black rugby team called? The Ferns. Uh, uh, black Ferns. Black Ferns. Yeah. What about that sick ass girl? Oh, what, Ruby you would let her, Yeah, you would let her come in and coach. Oh, yeah, 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 because she's completely crazy. I would. I think, I, look. That's what I mean. Is, Did you hear that? You would because she's nuts. And yeah. you. that's what I mean. You go in full guns blazing or you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, I, I, look, I promise you, one of the really interesting things is, is that if you look at Mike Tyson's old coach, who was a small old man. Um, I bet he was mean. Uh, he was small, and he was like <laughs> unbelievable. If you went to get boxing advice, you'd take it from someone like Angie Joshua. 
not from this small old man. I take old anything man, from Anthony yeah, Joshua. You would take everything from Anthony Joshua. Everything. Every single that inch. That man, are you joking? Every inch of Anthony Joshua you take. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I think it's important to kind of understand that we do judge books by its cover, but I think you're exactly right. It's that it's your reaction to us. No, it's the, us client, to it's the client reaction yeah. to the coach, yeah, not point. the coach reaction to the client. Yeah, agree. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and please tune in again next week when we have another great guest. <laughs> well, not as good as me, obviously. On the podcast. On the, Thanks, guys. On the show. Podcast Network.